Lucky you. 36 you best holes in golf. Alternate Shots Podcast. Barney's Army. Where we talk about Sandy. golf. Poker. James Bond. Horse racing. Double. Classic movies. Zenyatta. We have no script. Down the stretch they come. We are glad you joined us. Frankly, my dear, I don't give a damn. <laughs> so, Billy Regan, welcome back. Guess who we have on the program today? None other than Mark Loomis, someone I've known since he was old enough to outdrive me at the age of three years old. <laughs> welcome aboard, Mark. It's a pleasure to have you. Basically, oversee remote and studio production. So that involves, I, for a long time, I was the actual person producing the shows, but this is a much more of a management role that I started um, at the beginning of last year. So it's been, it's been a good transition. I, I, you know, I got lucky they moved to Stanford. And, and so uh, it's real close. Um, and so uh, kind of right place, right time. So how connected is the Golf Channel stuff with NBC? Very. So, uh, you know, we, first of all, you know, the, the people, so take for, for, you know, this week at Bay Hill or the players championship they you know, the, the people who are producing the show for NBC are NBC, uh, universal employees. And so are the golf channel people. And a lot of, there's a ton of crossover. So a lot of the people who work on NBC shows work on golf channel shows, um, obviously Thursday, Friday, they're producing the show's. Um, on Golf Channel in Saturday and Sunday before they go in there on NBC. So it's it's all intertwined. I, I, I'm involved with with the NBC broadcast to some degree, but Tommy Roy is, is basically the person who, who does all that. Yeah, yeah I, I know Tommy for decades from Sinai before he moved to Florida. Yeah, sure. Yep. And I noticed uh, Cara Banks and was it uh, uh, Kurt Byram um, were on the Golf Channel, I get. Was that right? And now you have them on NBC Sports. Uh, why did, why did you make that move? For example? Yeah, I think what, what, I think golf channel moved to Stanford in the beginning of 2021. And I think part of that was to get golf channel and NBC to kind of work as one. So I think what you'll, what you'll find here as we go forward is that people like Kurt Byram and Cara Banks and Damon Hack this week is doing interviews. Brad Faxon got hired this year to work on the NBC telecast, but he's also going to be doing live from next week at the players. So, so it, it is a, I think we are evolving into it being much more of, of, of one place. Uh, Pete Bach was in charge of NBC sports. He's also in charge of, um, of golf channel. And so I think, I think that the, the goal when I kind of got there was how do we, how do we make this more efficient? How do we work together um, with, within NBC? And I, you know, Tommy and I spend a lot of time, talking and on the phone about different things. You know, we, you know, if you think of a, an event like the US Open, where we're on, you know, 10 hours a day, there's a, there's a huge crossover between the people that work on NBC and the people that, that will be, in this case, it'll be on USA, which is also a part of the NBC Universal family. The, the uh, impression comes across is that you are synchronized NBC and Golf Channel. Especially yeah, Dan, that's, Dan, that's yeah. the point. Yeah, that's it. And I think I think that was I think that happened a, a while back, you know, with with the logo, but I'm not sure kind of behind the scenes it was quite as intertwined. And I think I think we're heading more and more in that direction. Yeah, and they and they direct you to go over to NBC or back to the golf channel. So, you know, the cooperation yeah. is very evident. Yeah, we don't care where you watch, just keep watching. That's just keep the, watching. That's yeah. what we want to do anyway. Exactly. So what does someone like Brad Fax? So I've had, you know, Frank Gifford, you knew him, I knew him. He used to tell me how he prepped for Monday night football games. What does someone like Brad Faxon, for example, do or uh, 
anybody else out there on at the event do in a way of preparation? Because this this is week to week, and you're going six or seven weeks in a row, right? It's tough. Yeah, I think I think the key to it is I think the people that you look for, and, and what I've found over the years is that the people that you want involved are people who are in the golf world day to day. So you take a guy like Brad, who is you know not only a great announcer but a great teacher, uh, was a great player. Um, and, and so what I would say is that Brad's day-to-day giving uh, lessons to Roy McElroy or, or um, Brandon Matthews or whoever he's working with keeps him in touch with what's going on with golf day-to-day. And then when they get on site, they, they basically, you know, the one thing they try to do, you know, first of all, they know the, the golf courses for the most part, but, you know, so Brad knows um, he knows the golf course, but he's out there checking it out. What's it playing like this year? What, what's the, what are the differences? Where do you, you know, what's the rough like? What's the, how firm are the greens? But then he's also spending, I think I talked to him on Tuesday. He was already up there on the putting green, on the practice tee, talking to the players, trying to get a good feel for how the course was going to play that week. So I, I would say the preparation never stops really. I, um, but the, the actual preparation the week of is, is, it's as close as you can get to preparing to play the golf course uh, in terms of learning how it, how it's going to play um, as, as you know, you, you know, you're not out there hitting the shots, but you're thinking about how you would hit the shots. And I, I think that's the preparation on site. I would imagine like last week had to be some other preparation that happened uh, after Friday and Saturday. Let's get more information on Laura Baugh, you know, on Cole, because I know Eric Cole across the street here. What a nice young man. But what a story. God, what a story if he had chipped that close on 18, right? Yeah, I mean, that's an interesting thing about the designated events, uh, non-designated events, is that I think what you're going to find this year, we'll see what happens with the schedule next year i think that's still to be determined a little bit but i think that non-designated event weeks you're gonna have great stories uh and so you know i think a lot of people were were uh worried about what that viewing experience was going to be like at um at honda when when you've got two designated events in front of it two designated events behind it all the good players you know supposedly are not playing in those events but first of all you realize how good how deep they are how deep it is i mean chris kirk's pretty darn good player uh and then uh and then you find guys like uh, like eric cole who who are out there who might not kind of break through but then he broke through last week and then you know what he's playing well this week so i mean it just it's it's amazing it's they're so good they're all so close it's just right you know it's just getting you know, getting going and getting a momentum and then the the, the one thing that i've heard of, that i've learned over the years is when you do play well you better play really well. And what I mean by that is you better finish in the top three, because if you finish 12th, when you're playing really well, um, the weeks, uh, you're not going to, you're not going to stick around. You, you, you got to cash in on your big, on your big ones. I think it's actually a, a good thing. I, the positive side of it is that guys who might get swamped by all the big players get, there's some openings for them now to get on the board. And for years, I've thought it would be great if the PGA ran an event, um, eligible only only non-winners are eligible to play so there'd be a guaranteed new winner in the event but the, yeah the you're, getting, I mean, you're getting close to that you're getting close yeah, to that with you're getting the, close to that yeah talked about uh brandon matthews and uh i brought up eric cole they're two rookies i know both of them uh, brandon was at our house for christmas but the difference in the two like you just said brandon missed all the cuts starting out in january from the sony 
and uh, Eric made a bunch of them. He finished 15th in uh, Bing Crosby or the uh, Pebble Beach, let's call it, right? I can't get the Bing Crosby out of my head. But he, to, to a guy like that's like, you know, winning an event because he's going to make some six figures and it's going to elevate them. But the difference between those two rookies, talk about that. And you guys deal with them all the time. These guys that are just having our time, even might have got a cut. Yeah, well, that's the yeah, difference it, between making a living and, and you know, becoming a star. There's, it's, it's a juggling act. Yeah, and I think, you know, you look, uh, I'll, I, uh, per, I'll tell you a perfect example of a guy who, who just kind of popped on the scene last week is Ryan Gerard. So Ryan Gerard just got out of North Carolina. He finished, uh, I guess he finished fifth at Honda. And um, he's playing, that, that top 10 finish, he had no status going to that. He Monday qualified, he was the last person in the field last week. He, he finished uh, fifth, gets into the Puerto Rico. Um, and in the second round, he's, he's, uh, he's in second place. So, so, so all of a sudden, for a, a guy who 10 days ago had no status on tour, had no, you know, we'll call it avenue to get out there, is two days away from having a, a complete tour card. He probably already has his tour card by the top five finish last week going forward. But there's all sorts of different questions now is it going to be top 70 is it going to be top 50 like what what is a tour better off getting 50 than staying at 70 or 100 <laughs> yeah that, we, we'll, that we're going to find out a new definition of what a, getting your tour card is here uh, going forward but but a guy like that all of a sudden boom it happens whereas other people um you know they have these reshuffles if you if you're a rookie and you go out there and you play five bad you know just let's just say in january you're not playing well or january february you're not playing well all of a sudden you're kind of at the back of the line again. So it is, you, when you get your opportunities, you better take them. The good news is that the great players, the ones who, who, who end up making it, they usually take advantage of their opportunities in a hurry. Um, you know, those, you, you, th you, you look at a, you, there, there's, there's all sorts of stories of a, you know, of a Jordan Spieth who, who got a few sponsors exemptions. Next thing you know, he's out on tour. Right. And, and, and that happens. Now there are also the Max Homas who go out there and lose their card and they have to, to dig their way back up. But, but, but the great ones usually get it done quickly. Yeah, the Homo story is great because he is a good player. He's busy in a lot of other things. He's he's a for you guys. He's a great on course person. He's put put the uh, the earbud right. You know, I don't know if you guys did it. The other network did it. But he's he's. I think that's what these guys want to do because they're creating their own brands, right? Yeah, I think I think that's the one thing that you know people talk about live and, and, and all sorts of other things that have happened to the PGA tour in the last 14 months or uh, in the last 12 months. But what I would say is, is one of the things that's happened is it's thought it's made everybody think about how to rethink what, what, what direction we should go in. And one of the things that some of these smarter, smart, younger people are doing is they've really pushed themselves uh, in a social media world. Max, nobody better than Max Oma. And then he also understood that, and we've, I'll tell you, from the TV side, we've been asking forever to do interviews on the golf course, but we never could get the tour to agree to it. Um, but now, now people are thinking, hey, you know what, we need to make our product um, as appealing as possible. And this is a way to do it. So Max was the one who led the charge through the PGA Tour and CBS, uh, to their credit, got it on the air first. But now you're seeing it week to week. Uh, you know, we had uh, last week on NBC, we had Chesson Hadley on, we had Billy Horschel on. Uh, this week we're all, we're hoping to have somebody on. Next week we're hoping to have somebody. So so it's it's something that's evolving now. At some point, 
you know, 30 interviews in, you might get a little tired of it. You're going to, you know, but big events to hear from somebody in the middle of the round is, is, is good. It's good. And it, it gives people a chance to get to know, you know, all you have is impressions of golfers and how to root for them. Listening to Chess Hadley, for instance, I became a fan. He was humorous, lighthearted. Same with Max Homa. They, they seem like, you know, they'd be fun to hang around with, let alone play golf with. So yeah, and 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 they're they're very comfortable talking golf. And I think one of the one of the main things about these interviews that they've stressed is like, let's make it a golf conversation. Don't ask, you know, about my family. Don't ask. Let's let's talk golf in the middle of the round. And it's it's been good because those those those, those players are are very comfortable when they're talking golf. Okay, so on the other side of the of the uh, camera, how many cameras? Is it the same amount for every event or is it specific to each event? How many cameras are out there? Yeah, so it's very specific to each event. It depends. I mean, you know, it's a little bit depends on who's on who's uh, how many people are watching. I mean, if you, if you go back to what we, when we were when I was at Fox, you know, we, when we were doing the U.S. Open, I'd say we had 100 cameras. Uh, right. You know, if you are in a week to week PGA Tour event, you're probably closer to 25 cameras. Um, and is it, it the same the same director throughout? Yeah, pretty for the most part, you know, by network for the most part. Um, and so, yeah, it's the same director. And then, um, you know, it, it a little bit depends on the golf course itself in terms of, uh, you know, can you move around it fairly easily, or 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 can you, you know, can you put a can you put a camera on on top of a, uh, a, a what we call them spiders, but but cameras basically, um, can we move these cameras around or do they get stuck where they are? And that, that adds a little bit of that, that'll add a few cameras if we have to leave them there for the whole week. How long before you think drones will take over most of the, uh, I know the union uh, doesn't want to hear that, but. You know, I think we're a long way away from drones taking over. I think drones are a great uh, addition to, to the golf uh, coverage for sure. Um, but it does. It's not quite that easy. You know, you, you can't you can't follow a golf ball with a drone with a drone quite as no. well as you can follow it with a hard camera. Um, people don't like drones hovering over them while they're making a swing. So yeah, yeah we're we're a little bit away from that. I I I'll believe uh, when I see drones delivering uh, my packages to my front door, uh, I'll, I'll <laughs> get closer to that. I, I keep hearing no. that's going to happen, but I'm not buying it. I'm not. Now, when that happens, I'm going to write my will and lock the door. How tall yeah. is that camera behind the seventeenth uh, green next week? That one up. There. Uh, you know, it's probably uh, it's probably about fifty feet in the air. I've actually I, I don't I don't know the answer to that uh, specifically, but it's 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 big because you're so far away. You have to get way up in the air to it's tall. You have to get way up in the air to kind of get the right angle on it. But um, yeah, they've done. I, I think Tommy's group at at um, at, uh, at the Players' Championship, they have done a, a great job um, at really bringing that course to life. I played there for the first time this fall. I hadn't played there, well, I shouldn't say for the first time, but I hadn't played there in, in probably 30 years. And uh, you kind of feel like you've already played it by, by how many times you've seen it on TV. It's, it's it really, it's a, it's a great experience. It's to me as close as you can come to CBS and Augusta because everybody does know the holes now. Um, there's excitement in the second nine, whatever you want to call it. And you can see more of the holes now at Augusta. They used to limit what, what you could show, right? Yeah, for sure. They used to, well, they limit the amount of time on the air. So you, you saw a lot less. Yeah. But, but um, yeah, it's, it's always been the question for, do you, do you, for an event like the U S open where you can travel around the country 
country and see different court, golf courses, is, is that a good thing? Or, or do you like the familiarity of, a, of, of an Augusta? And I, I do think that's one of the, the real kind of charms of, of the Masters is the fact that- you know, Same place every year, yeah. Yeah, you know, every hole. Yeah, yeah I think the Open should travel. Um, yeah. And I think it always will. For sure. It's almost to me like a chorus. The people that are telling the story, whether it's you or, you know, the other networks, and that's important to me. You know, if you have a bunch of people out there where their voices aren't nice to listen to or they're boring or they're not memorable, it's going to impact it. I, I think that is really impressive what NBC Sports and the Golf Channel have done. I'm a, I'm a died in a, I watch every minute I can. You know me, Mark. And I, <laughs> I don't think that's easy to do. And I think you've added some other chorus members uh, recently uh, to improve that chorus, which is great. Yeah, I think I think that's true. I think it's hard. I think it's harder to do than you you and I want to admit, right? And so I, I I think it's hard to find people like rich. You know, there's just aren't a lot of rich learners out there uh, on the on the golf channel side. There, there's just there's Dan Hicks. There aren't a lot of Dan Hicks. I mean, they, they really aren't. You, I don't think you, there's you know, any more than one Dan Hicks myself. You, I think he's yeah. the best. You know. Exactly. So, I mean, it's really hard to find those guys. And then, you know, you, you, you well, there's 200 professional golfers, you, you know, you, anybody could do it. Uh, you know, they just talk golf. It's easy. Well, not really. It's easy. It's, it's not too hard to answer questions in an interview, but it's hard to have original thoughts when you're watching a golf event and explain, really explain what's going on out there. It's a, it's a skill that that maybe is uh, is undervalued. That, that 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 those people who go up in the booth, they were golfers originally, and now they really have to be professional announcers, and it's not easy. So it we have. I think the one thing that I've really enjoyed about Golf Channel NBC is that we have so much volume, and we have so many different types of events from from Corn Ferry all the way up through the U.S. Open, that we we have chances to use people in smaller stages that then can work their way up. You take a guy like Smiley Kaufman, who a year ago wasn't even doing TV, and we used him on a featured group at the US Open last year that you know very few people are listening to. You get a chance to, to go out there and talk for five hours because it's only about one group. And you find out quickly um, who can do it uh, and who can't. And so Smiley, we started in there. And then next thing you know, he was doing a kind of a a fall tour event and we started you know did a college event you like and and then we, we we you can make your way up whereas at a place like when i was at fox it's a little harder to do we, we didn't really have that that stage of finding people um we had a little bit of feature group stuff and we did find brett quigley did a great job for us on feature group the first year we did it and he ended up in as a, one of our main people but you know those those are few and far between it's so it, it's it's hard to find them so golf channel really gives you a real option um to do that and we, we just we're, we're starting to use johnson wagner a lot over the last two months a, a local guy and he's been great yeah the, i thought Baxon was always going to be great and in just this last week i think he described and that is your point on that moment he's under the pressure to describe what the pro's thinking about he's going to chip it is he going to putt it He's going to chip it. Where is he going to land it? If he's going to putt it, how high is he going to play it? I also think, I like Smiley Kaufman. I think he has so much ahead of him. I think he's a, such a talented guy. And I think like anybody in their first job, right? 
is he going to, you know, show you everything? I don't think so. I think he's going to be great for years to come. And he has the relationships out there, right? Yeah, he has the relationships. He's actually, uh, you'll hear, he'll be on NBC this weekend with uh, uh, Bay Hill and, and going forward with players. Yeah, he has the great relationships, which is, look, it's hard to find young, qualified people to do this because the ones who are really good at it usually are playing uh, their whole career. Now, Smiley, you know, he went into a place where he just wasn't playing as well. And he just accepted like, hey, you know what, this isn't, this isn't going to work out for me what's next and he is really he's really embraced this role uh on course and and because of it he'll be good yeah he has the relationships he has the knowledge he has the right attitude he loves golf i I think number one when you when you get these these announcers and and these people they have to love golf right if you if they don't love golf they're going to get bored on thursday afternoon talking and they're going to bore they're going to bore the audience and they're going to bore you so they, they have to love it and they have to have a natural enthusiasm for it. And, and nobody epitomizes that more than Brad. Brad I mean, Faxon, uh, he loves golf. He, you know, he, he, if you're playing with him on a Tuesday afternoon, he's really enjoys being out there and loves it. And so the, the, those people are the ones you're looking for. Was yeah. Johnny Miller one of the first, um, shall we say, retired golfers to go into the booth? Uh, you know, not really. I mean, Byron Nelson. I mean, I, you know, I, when I first started in, uh, at ABC, Jack Nicholas was, uh, you know, was, was an analyst for us. Um, but, but Johnny Miller, Johnny Miller kind of became the face of TV golf, you know, in the nineties and the two thousands. Um, just yeah, he because, was, he wasn't afraid to say what it was on, just came right yeah, out of his mouth. Was he was different. I think back, I think when I got into TV, I think people were describing it, but they, they, they tried to do it in a nice way most of the time. I think Johnny just, he just said what he thought. Uh, right. And I, you know, that's a, I think it's a skill that that's grown and I think people are better and better at it, but he was, he was at the front of it. He did a, he did an amazing job with it. And he had a career that, you know, could stand up to some, some of the uh, remarks he was making. It wasn't like he was commenting about stuff that he didn't understand. For sure. He had, he had the credibility. That's for sure. I don't think and then uh, Nick Faldo was a little similar too. So, yeah, he certainly had the credibility as well. Yeah. Yeah. Palmer, or, uh, Johnny Miller, I don't think ever got the credit for being a pretty decent regular guy. I remember sitting on the top of the hill at the open in 2006 and he came by and sat next to us. And I was, <laughs> said, you want that, that bunker shot over in seven West, you know, in the 74 open, you know, he joked about it and he said, boy, this golf course is so tough. And he just talked like the three of us are talking right now. Um, yeah, he's he's great. I didn't ever really get a chance to work with him. Uh, he was he was gone before I got here, but but uh, you know he's revered at NBC for sure. Speaking of guys you worked with, who was a bigger influence on you in your career? Was it Brent Musburger or Keith Jackson, or did you have great experiences from both of these guys? Well, that's a great. I mean, that's a good one because I two of the two of the top uh, for me. I, you know, I Brent. I would say Brent was really instrumental for me in that he was one. He was really the first guy. Uh, uh, of his stature who I got a chance to work with regularly and he really was a, a, a champion of mine kind of to make my way I was I was his scorer in the booth when we started I was basically his researcher um, and I mean he's the best he, he nobody you would rather uh, have a couple beers with him than Brent he was he was fun I you know you when I was in college was when he was at CBS and you know, people heard different things about it. he was like an anchor monster. And, you know, I grew up watching him on Sundays. He, he was the NFL, you know, that everyone watched that pregame show. 
Um, and when I got the chance, he came over to, I started ABC in 90. I think he came over in 92. Uh, and he, um, I got, basically, he didn't know much about golf. And they said, Mark, uh, he knows how to be an announcer. You, you teach him about golf. Uh, and we had, he used to call me one iron. I guess I was a little thinner back then, but, but uh, he, uh, we had a great, uh, that's a great, we had a great rapport. And I, I talked to him every once in a while still. I mean, I ended up doing basketball with him and Dick Vitale. I was ended up being his producer about 10 years later on college basketball. Um, but he, he, he really was great to hang out with a ton of fun. And um, he had, had a huge impact on me kind of making my way, my kind of my first steps in the business for sure. And then Keith was, I mean, Keith, Keith was everything. I, you know, kind of my greatest, maybe my, my, my greatest honor in, in TV was, was getting to do uh, his induction speech into the Sports Broadcasting Hall of Fame. He asked me to, to introduce him for the Sports Broadcasting Hall of Fame. Um, I started working with him when I was 32. And he was almost exactly the same age as my dad. And I think in some ways he, he, he treated me like a, like a son. I mean, he, he was great to me. He was great to me. Uh, he's a giant in the Broadcasting Hall of Fame. And a heck of a golfer. He shot his age every year from the age of 68, I think, to 83 or something like that. Um, wow. He was a heck of a golfer. He, that's how we got to be so close. We have a, a funny story about how uh, at the um, first event I produced with him, they had a, something called field turf in Nebraska. Where they had just put in it was a new artificial turf, and it was kind of made up of um, tire rubber. And I thought, and I had heard Keith was a good golfer. I'd worked with him a couple years before. So I, they, I, I thought a cool way to show um, the tire rubber was, was to get hit a golf ball, uh, from like the 40, from like the 40 yard line. Um, it, it, we did that on Friday as we recorded. So I had Keith, who I knew was a good golfer and Bob Greasy who was also a good golfer with the two announcers. And I said, Hey guys, why don't, why don't we go, you guys hit golf balls. We'll record it. We'll show it slow motion. We'll, we, it'll be fun. You know, people get to see you hit a golf shot. So they both, uh, they both hit and they both missed uh from 40 yards they, they missed the field goal and i was like yes, i thought you guys were good at golf uh and uh they said oh let's see you do it and uh i i i was able to do it and he said oh you want to play golf next week out in california and and uh friendship from there so it was a it was a, it was a what was the what's club, that what was the club of choice from the 40 yard line uh, it was just a wedge and we just kind of, you know, it was, it, it, it's incredibly easy shot until you really, you know, it's like a field goal. It's like an extra point. It's incredibly easy until you actually have to do it. And then you're like, oh man, this, this is, uh, you do it every time you were on the range, but uh, with people watching, it was a little harder. And it would be even tougher if you had, you know, NFL players rushing you while you were doing it. <laughs> that would make it harder. We didn't, we didn't, we didn't have that element. Your skills that. challenge, Billy. Note, note to self. Yeah. Um, talk about your thoughts on these guys who, who who made up this this wonderful PGA tour and this larger golf game that we enjoy. Yeah, I think I think it started with Arnold. You know, right the right guy uh, at the right moment with 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 the, when TV was coming to the forefront, and all of a sudden you had this 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 guy who understood entertainment uh, on top of on top of being a, a, an incredible golfer. So uh, you know, Arnold was kind of the, at the forefront of golf on TV. Um, and then Jack was, Jack was a great foil, right? I think when he started, he, you know, people, he got a lot of flack. Um, he, you know, people, people weren't, weren't happy to see this kid come up and beat their hero. Like Roger um, Maris. 
yeah, 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 exactly. You know, it turned out Maris was Ruth, though. I mean, you know, and then next thing you know, uh, it, you know, here comes Jack, and he was just, you know, I think Jack didn't didn't necessarily grab you with his personality on the golf course, but he just was so dominant. It was, it was incredible, uh, you know, over the years. And I think people just more than anything just came to appreciate him. Um, and so that, you know, that he grabbed TV from there, but no one's grabbed TV like Tiger grabbed TV. I mean, I mean t when you watch, like if you go back to uh, Genesis a couple of weeks ago, uh, I mean, there were almost three times as many people watching those events this year as, as opposed to when he doesn't play, uh, you know, there's, there's really no one else in golf who moves, you know, actually probably the second, uh, the person who's second on the list right now moving the needles, maybe Jordan Spieth, which is a little surprising, but, but he, he moves it a tiny bit, Rory a little bit too, but nobody has ever, has ever changed golf uh, on TV like Tiger Woods did. And, and, you know, he made it, he made it, you know, people who don't watch golf uh, day to day, they, they, they go find Tiger Woods on TV. So that's been incredible. What's next? Hard to say. I mean, you know, uh, uh, you know, John Rahm is playing so great right now. He's kind of, he's, he's been great, but I'm not sure that, that the American audience is going to latch onto, on, onto him, you know, like they would even a Jordan Spieth. So I think there's a, a little bit of a, a, a low here, but the good news is, is that there are so many good young players that week to week, especially actually these designated events have turned out pretty well in terms of having really good players on top of the leaderboard. So I think, I think the interesting golf right now is, is good despite the fact that they don't really have that star to latch onto. Yeah, and they might turn into stars. It's early for some of them still. Yeah, I mean, you know, my son Ben's playing at uh, uh, at Vanderbilt, and he's got a kid on his team who's a sophomore who just got an invite to the Masters. He's the first uh, American ever ever to get an invite to the Masters who, who who didn't win kind of a specified event. He won the NCAA's, but that doesn't get you in. But you never know who that next guy is. Um, and, and uh, you know, maybe it's Gordon Sargent. Uh, you know, you just, you, you, we'll see. We'll see. Well, somebody, uh, Fred Ridley's got a, he's got a crystal ball, maybe. Yeah. He, I, I mean, he, you know, I think the thing about Gordon, you'll, everybody will be interested to see him at Augusta. He's, he gets his club head speed up to uh, 131, 132 miles an hour, oh. um, which is well, above uh well above normal so That's uh speed. yeah exactly brandon matthews speed but with the full package number one amateur in the world right now uh as of like two weeks ago so you know those guys there's there's a million of them coming up and you just never quite know who that'll be but in the meantime we've got a lot of really good young players out there is uh what 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 do you what's what do you want to talk about regarding live? If you don't want to talk about it, that's okay too. We don't. No, I don't mind. That's all we talk about. What are you talking about? I'll talk about it. Uh, Billy and so, I have uh, talked about it a lot, and we just say it's all about bucks, do re me, right, Billy? <laughs> absolutely. At least yeah, for no, now, because they haven't established uh, any kind of tournament that the general public or even the general golf world would really care about winning, except for the money. Right. So, I mean, that's the thing about live is that they have, they have good players and no doubt about it. They have plenty of money, no doubt about it. Um, and, you know, I think back in the day, we all kind of got, we got into the skins game a little bit, you know, that was about, that was all about money and, and, and people for a week could, could get into that. And, you know, part of that too was that it was Jack Nicholson and all Palmer and Tom, you know, it was the, yeah, bizarre. that was fun, fun to watch. And we had nothing on, we had nothing else going on on Thanksgiving, you know, weekend from a sporting event that we, besides football, but but I think 
what you do see with Liv is that if you don't have any history behind what you're trying to win, it's really hard to pay much attention to it. I mean, it, exactly. it doesn't feel at this point, it doesn't feel uh, very much more than a, than an exhibition. Now I know it's not an exhibition. You talked to Peter Uline who had struggled forever to get a, to get his tour card and he won over $12 million last year. It's not an exhibition for him. Uh, no. But, but I mean, but the, it does, when you're watching it, it does feel that way. Um, and, you know, we'll see what happens with it. You know, I, you know, we, we certainly, um, you know, I, I think the PGA tours is, is a, is a good product that's, get, you know, getting better. Um, and I, I think that um, Liv has, has helped that a little bit. I think it's pushed it. Uh, there's no doubt about it, but we'll see what happens. I, you know, I think, I think the question with Liv is how long? It's never going to be, it doesn't look like it's ever going to be something that makes money. So how long is somebody going to be willing to lose money on a venture like that? And I, I don't know if there's an answer because there's so much money in Saudi Arabia that, that I can't answer how long that, that'll be. But right now, it does not look like it's a, a compelling product that people are going to be you know, lining up to watch. Seems dependent on a concept of teams, which I have zero interest in in golf. You know, yeah. but, uh, I get the soccer team concept. I get that and why there's so much money there. People, you know, are willing to beat up each other in the stands over their team, right? Their passion is unbridled, right? Unparalleled. Let's see. It yeah, and uh, yeah, I mean, you look at the World Cup. I mean, I I don't watch. I don't watch soccer week to week, but I, I do like watching the USA play in the World Cup, you know, once every four years, but that's your country. I, it's hard for me to, to root for the range goats. Uh, you know, I, I don't care about that in the uh, on live or, or the aces, you know, I, I, it's not, that's just, I don't, I don't see why I would ever flash onto that. I mean, we, we actually show college golf, you know, fair amount on, on golf channel and, you know, you could root for your university or you could root for your college, but it's, it's hard to root for a, a, a kind of a made-up team. Yeah. The uh, so back to football for a second. If yeah. you started and said, you know, I'm going into football, would you be more interested in doing what you do with college football or with the NFL? So I've done both, uh, and I would say that it was more fun to do college. I mean, I think you know, you when you're doing the NFL, I think when you're in my business in TV, the pinnacle is. NFL football. You know, if you're producing the, if you're Fred Gadelli and you produced eight Super Bowls or whatever that number was at NBC and ABC, like that is the pinnacle of what we do. And so I would never underplay, uh, un undersell NFL football. It is, it is awesome. You know, uh, as, as you can tell by viewership, but if you're talking about an experience for, for me, um, going to produce a game, going to a college campus on a Thursday, uh, at getting there on a Thursday afternoon and meeting with the home team coaches and players and then going out to a local restaurant and just seeing the energy around it and then Friday uh, getting ready for the game and seeing that you know the parking lots filled with campers and people and and then you get there on game day and the parking lots are you know full with people who are into it and just the the pageantry that goes along with college football tough to tough to beat and you know for me my experience was incredible getting to work with, um, with Keith Jackson, Dan Fouts. And, uh, you know, it, it was, it, I, you know, the Rose Bowl, you know, I did, uh, uh, did a bunch of Rose Bowls. It, it, that event 
Um, there's two events that I've done that are kind of at the top of the list, the Rose Bowl uh, and the uh, British Open in terms of just the, the atmosphere. And when I say the British Open, the British Open at St. Andrews, those two events um, are incredible. It's like they, they were made to be played. It's like Augusta. They were made to be played at those places in college football bowl game at Pasadena doesn't get any better. And then a, a British Open at St. Andrews doesn't get any better. This past St. Andrews. Any St. Andrews. I've, I've, I've been to San Andrews. I've, uh, I have, I, I, I produced a couple. Uh, I did uh, the, the uh, one, the Tiger one in uh, 05. I did the one that he, uh, that Ustazen won in 10. I've been to, I think, seven open championships at St. Andrews. The first one was 1990 as a, as a runner. Um, and just going there is, you know, every time there's an open, it, it's, if you ever get a chance to go to a British Open at St. Andrews, that's, if you're a golfer, that, that's number one on the bucket list. Well, I, I watched as much as they offered this uh, summer, and I, I, I was rooting like crazy for our guy Cam Young here, right? Yeah, that was Long amazing. Climbing range after the Open across the street here in Tequesta. And I, I leave these guys alone, but he took a break and was wiping the towel off or something. I said, how the hell does Cam Smith get it up and down from the bunker on the road hole? So he said to me, he said, he's got a four degree line in his putter. So he sort of had like a chipper. Could you have asked for a more interesting suspense? I mean, McElroy should have won that, right? Everybody was going to coronate McElroy, but he just didn't get in the, in the hole, right? Yeah, I mean, if it was a movie, Rory McIlroy would have won, right? And, right, you know, that, of course. That yeah. was the, right, the, the anniversary and, and everything, and Rory McIlroy would have won at St. Andrews. But uh, the good thing about sports is it's it's not a movie. It doesn't always have the ending you're expecting. But yeah, Rory just didn't make any putts on Sunday. I actually walked around, because I'm not producing the shows, I had never actually walked around on the golf course during the event. And I I, I, I met uh, Rory on the, on the ninth hole and I walked nine, 10, and 11 with him, uh, you know, off to the side on, on the ropes and, and just the, the amount of, I don't want to call it pressure, just, the, just the focus, I'll call it on Rory that, that day was incredible. People were yelling his name every step he took. I, 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 I wonder if after four days, just the weight of that got to be a lot. Um, but he, he just more than anything, punch just didn't go in on Sunday. Do you get feedback ever, negative or positive, from the players about you know what's said on broadcasts or coverage or anything like that? Yeah, I, I, the players themselves, I don't, I don't get feedback from. I get feedback in the locker room at Wingfoot more than anywhere. And I, I, I <laughs> yeah, I can't uh, wait to see it. <laughs> but uh, no, I get I, the the players actually. The, the announcers get a lot of feedback. I mean, if, when those announcers are out there walking around on Tuesday, Wednesday, or even Saturday, Sunday morning on the range. And if they have said something negative about a player that, yeah, they, 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 they hear about it. Uh, yeah. you know, and it's not, you know, it doesn't get heated, but they're like, Oh yeah, I guess you don't think I can putt or, Oh, I can, you know, I guess you don't, you don't like the, what I'm doing with my golf swing, whatever that is They're They might not act like they're listening, but that they're, they hear it for sure. They if I'm it. the announcer, I think you just proved to me that I'm doing my job. Yeah, you know, and, and what's interesting about that is that, and like I said, I never worked with him, but everyone always said Johnny Miller never went to the range, right? He, I don't think he wanted, I think he wanted to be a little bit removed. He came uh, in so with a fake mustache and glasses and yeah, a hat. Yeah. Exactly. But I think not only did he, you know, he just wanted to be a little bit removed so that he didn't, he didn't, he just said what he thought was right. 
So guys who are in the lead at these majors, let's use the example of Cam uh, Smith and Cam Young, who played together, I think, the weekend, right? They played both they, they both played Saturday. Sunday. Yeah, I, yeah, I think that's right. They played both days, I think. So they go off pretty late. What is, what is it like to wait and wait and wait? Like in an open on the cal out in the West Coast, you could be up at 7 o'clock in the morning and go off for eight, seven hours. Yeah, I, you know, it's I Saturday think, morning at Wingfoot. Yeah, they, they watch a little bit. Yeah, they watch a little bit on TV. They, they get up, they, you know, it's amazing how much these guys work out. I, I'll tell you last week, I told you, uh, Will Gordon uh, stayed with me when he was playing uh, at Honda. And you think about how much that PGA National would beat you up, uh, you know, through a four day event. And he played fairly early on Sunday. I think he finished 30th or something like that. And he came back to my play and he went for a run. I mean, so those guys never, ever stop working out. They never stop working. So I think the mornings are, are, are part training, part, uh, you know, thinking about the day. But they're, 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 there's so much dedication that these guys put in that, that they probably spend the morning working out, getting ready. I wonder if they learn anything from watching the broadcast before they tee off that could run. A little bit. Yes, yeah, guys. Actually, there's uh, the guys at uh, Golf Channel will tell you that back in the day, uh, Tiger literally would go sit in the videotape library in Orlando at Golf Channel and watch history tapes of the old majors. If they were going to go to a place where they hadn't been in five, you know, in 10 years or he had never played, he would go sit there, put on a headset. And, and, uh, and th those stories are true. He would he would go watch those old tapes uh, and try to learn whatever he could. Makes sense. Like, yeah, it worked. It worked. <laughs> yeah. Tom Brady looking at the uh, past tapes. It, it makes sense. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, ball players do it too. They rewatch pictures and yeah, for sure. Oh, 100%. They do it. I mean, the hitters do it. And these days, they take the iPads down into the into the dugout and they're they're watching the the pitch sequence. You know, right right when they get done. I mean, they, they, everyone's watching everything these days. I remember Jim McLean uh, years ago uh, at a clinic said the reason pros videotape their swings is so we don't stay lost for long. That's a good point. Yeah, because yeah. otherwise you correct, you can correct yourself right out of a good swing. Right, and these launch monitors, uh, you know, and all these, all this information that they have now, it doesn't take them long to get, to get back to where they they were when they were playing well. Yep. So. Um... Let's talk about John Rahm. You brought him up earlier. Guy, I, I did a little homework. 124 out of 137 cuts, 10 PGA wins since 2016, eight international wins. He won the Open. Is golf easy for John Rahm? Is this, I mean, he's been good so long now. Is it easy for him? Has he figured something out? Nobody figured out? What is it? Yeah, it's a good question. I think, I think one of the things, and it goes to what we were just talking about, is he just believes that the way he swings the club is, is the right way for him to swing. Right. So he doesn't, I don't think he spends a lot of time worrying about how Rory McIlroy swing the golf club or about what's the perfect golf swing. I think he is convinced that his golf swing is perfect for him. And so that, that, that's, you know, the confidence that, that, that takes, uh, that, you know, and, and the, the self-belief is, is you can't be undersold. He's incredibly strong. Um, he, you know, he, he, when he's on the one thing they've always said about, it, he's not a great iron player. Well, he is right now. So sure um, is, yeah. he's finally take kind of taken the, 
the one thing that maybe wasn't his strength and now it's one of his strengths. So, I, I mean, he's as, he's playing as well right now early in the season as, as anyone, you know, if you, well, there was a segment on golf channel uh, on golf central last night talking about how, you know, if you go back to the great seasons in golf, how they got started through a few months. And if John Rom wins um, API here, uh, it, he'll be on a similar pace that a tiger was on. Nobody's, nobody's won four of their first six since tiger did. Um, he'll be on a similar pace to when VJ won, you know, I think VJ won nine. I think people forget that, whatever that number was. And, and you know, through years, his start this year is historic. Um, and uh, we'll, we'll see if it keeps up. We'll see if it keeps going through the Masters. Good. It and, seems uh, like he doesn't run as hot as he did uh, earlier in his career. It's easy when you're hitting at 10 feet not to be ticked off, Billy. No, but I think that probably, that probably helped him. You know. Yeah, no, I think he, I think he matured in that way some, but as Bob said, yeah, it's when you're hitting a 10 feet on every hole, how hot can you, I guess you can get yeah. hot if you miss the putt, but that's about it. That's about it. Um, one of your guys on your team knows the answer to this question, Mark. When's the last time you missed a 10 footer that wasn't a triple breaker? I mean, if it's left or right or right, he's making everything that he can see, but yeah, his uh, iron play, that's what I noticed. And gosh, I've never seen him. What do they call that? You know, just kind of, He's an iron. He's always hitting everything full out, right? Yeah. Yeah. Now you wonder, you know, does it, you wonder if a swing, a short swing like that, as he gets older and not as strong and not an athletic, you, you know, you, you don't know how, but you know, the good ones evolve, right? So they, they, they evolve to whatever, whatever they need to do. So we'll, we'll see how long, and it's hard. Look, it's, it's hard to, the ask on golfers is to be, you know, elite uh, and great for, 20 years, whereas, you know, most athletes are, are great for 10 years. You know, there are very few Tom Brady's out there. So it's hard to do it. It's hard to want it for that long. Um, and so it'll be, it'll be interesting to see what his, his progression is over the next five years. Well, if he doesn't want it for that long, he could just go over to live. <laughs> yeah, no doubt about it. I will see if it's still here uh, over the next five years, but, but yeah, that's right. They, they, they could, and you know, by the way, he would have been one of the people I mean, he would have been high on their list of people to sure, try to get. Probably so, still is. Yeah, right. They so, could, so, they, these guys know. can look at it almost like a pension. I'll yeah. play yeah. a few more years here on the PGA Tour, see what I can win, and then exactly. cash in. Exactly. Just take out Wingfoot's West and East top five courses for you. Internationally. Uh, uh, I've always been a huge uh, fan. I love St. Andrews. I think it's, I, I just love the, 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 I'm not telling you it's the greatest design golf course ever because it was designed a long time ago, but I, you talk about a, a round of golf. I'd like to play St. Andrews is, is high on the list. Pebble beach is high on the list. That's just a great experience. I love Pinehurst number two. I think that's a, a great golf course. Pine Valley is a great golf course. And then I'm, I'm, I'm a, uh, I'm, I'm a big um, Seminole fan as well. So, uh, you know, those would be five that jump to the top of my head, but man, I, I just love playing golf. So I, I hate to only pick five. I can probably keep going here for a while. Mark so. like sand, Billy, we figured that out. So what's the toughest bunker shot at Wingfoot? Of all the bunker shots, the last one you'd want to be in. The toughest bunker shots. I think the toughest, I think one of the toughest bunker shots is early in the round uh, on the first hole on the West golf course. If you get pin high or above, going across that green is about as hard as it gets to try to get that right. Unless the hole is in that little swale in the middle, then it's, then it's not too bad. Um, but a bunker that I don't want to be in, well, I don't ever 
And I actually hid it in this bunker. And I, I was thinking this last year. I don't think I had been in this bunker in 10 years, but I hid it in the right bunker on 15 uh, East. And I was like, what am I doing down here? I, 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 I <laughs> green you last. get hurt down there. I have missed that green left a hundred times, but I have not missed that green right in a long time. And I was not happy with my, but I will not be back in there anytime soon. Yeah, yeah. that's a very tough up and down. Yeah. Well, you, you, you had an easy club selection. You took your 56 or whatever. Billy and I are thinking, do we take a nine iron? Do we take it? Because <laughs> it's a long shot, right? I, I'm thinking it's, about taking a putter and going out the back side of the green and then trying to hit the wedge up on. Yeah, I, I think if you, I think if you wanted to put, somebody in a bunker where they couldn't get up and down uh no matter where the hole is 15 east right on 15 east is about as, as hard as it gets so short siding yourself on uh, 18 on that left hand bunker is not any fun either no yeah some of them are are are, are, are uh, dependent on where the, the flags where the pin is but yeah but but 15 east forget it doesn't matter where that thing is so uh let's see uh Taking two east and 80, 16 west, and I guess five west, and make them all par fours. Out of all those 36 holes, it's a large sum of money. Which one do you choose where you have to make a par or better? You got one shot, par or better. Which, which hole are you going with? You're talking about which hole do I think which I... Select? What's the easiest par? The four. easiest par at wing foot is... Par four, well, yeah. I would say the easy... I think the easiest hole is one east. I, I really do. I, I think I think that is a uh, I think that is a pretty you know. A, a pretty I agree, well and, I, and I think it's by design. It's sort of like welcome welcome aboard. Get yep. yourself green a little warmed up because you got some now, surprises coming. You put the green in the back right, maybe not, right? Uh, but you put the hole in the back right of the green, yep. you know, maybe not. But but uh, you know, to me that that one is is the hole where I always kind of feel. I I, I always say if you play if you start in the club championship. And you start five five, you might as well just go right to your car if you parked it down by by the practice tee and and keep going because that 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 is that is a bad start on the east course. Yeah, you're two shots behind already. Yeah. In that vein, what do you think is the toughest green to putt at Wingfoot of all the thirty six greens? Uh, let's see, the toughest green to putt. Uh, or I read. think thirteen. I, the first one that jumps out of my head just as we think about it here would be thirteen east. I think is a is a, a brutally hard green to putt. Um, and then um, one west, uh, you know, just maybe maybe just from the fact that it's your your first couple putts of the day, and you're you know who knows what what kind of putt you know nobody ever hits it hard enough going up the hill when they start you know if they're on the front of the green um, and if you're in the wrong part of the green and the the hole is over on one of those those ridges on on the, if you're on the wrong side you you're in trouble. Yeah, I think one west, even though you know the read, is hard to execute the putt. Yeah, it's not like you don't know what you're trying to do. It's just really right. hard. Yeah, I, I totally agree with that. You, you I know find you, 15 East the hardest to read for some reason. 15 East is hard, no doubt about it. But there, there, there's a relatively few hole locations up there. So you kind of have a, a pretty good feel of, of where you are. Now that that new back right, I mean, you, I, I've seen more people put it off the green. Yeah, the back it really takes big. off. <laughs> exactly, it takes yeah. off. That's, that's not easy. I agree. I agree. Which pro golfer, if you had a chance to play one round with a pro golfer, dead or alive, would you like to play golf with? 
I would say either Lee, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna either or. I would like I never played with Lee Trevino. I would have loved to have played golf with Lee Trevino. I loved the way he played golf. It was just fun to watch him play golf, and I loved the way Seve Ballesteros played golf. Um, as you can tell, I probably uh, you know I I I, I like the way Seve played golf because unfortunately I hit it all over the place like he does, and I I, I admired I admired how he got out of it, uh, and then. Uh, Lee Trevino, I just, I, I don't think I've ever seen anybody control a golf ball. I used to actually, when I first got started in this, I very rarely would, would go out and watch golf. I'd be in the trucks, I'd be working. But when the, the one player that I did go watch, I would go watch Lee Trevino. Um, if it was a windy day, I would go watch him play nine holes. Um, and I, 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 it was so much fun to watch. And I would love to just talk to him about, about golf and how he, a thought about it because I, as, as unconventional as it looked, I bet you that he, he, I, f I feel like he understood how to hit a golf ball uh, and how a golf ball, how to make golf ball move around maybe better than anybody. And I always thought it would be great to, to, to pick his brain. I have a feeling you'd do more listening than talking with Lee. Yeah. I don't, I, that, and that's a good point. I, I would enjoy that. Yeah. I think I could just ask him a question and, off he goes. Yeah, he would be natural uh, to put some earbuds in his ear because he'd say, yeah, when do you want me to do it? I'll do it right now. He would do it on the 18th hole if he was uh, Eric Cole facing that chip shot. Absolutely. Right. He yeah. would he wouldn't mind that. The, the pre he's had other pressures that, that are far bigger than that in his life. Right. Yeah. I mean, to think about where he came from and just to think about, you know, we you know, we we, we talk so much about instruction and track man and swinging, you know, all these, uh, everybody's working with every teacher and to think about what he did with, with nothing, with, without any of that help, you know, he owned his swing, which is, I think a lot of us wish we did. Um, Wasn't it he who said, you know, pressure is playing a $10 Nassau with $5 in your pocket? Exactly. Exactly. He, he, he learned how to, he learned how to, to play under that, that utmost pressure. And so that, Later in life, when he was playing in the U.S. Open, it didn't feel like much. Yeah, nope. and he looks like he'd be a lot of fun. Oh, yeah, I think so. I, I think he'd be great to play golf with. I, mean, I think he's. I've heard he's quiet off the golf course, you know, in in you know, kind of in other moments. But I, he, when he's out in public, man, he's on stage. He's he's awesome. Any thoughts on Wingfoot's next hundred years? You've been around your whole life at Wingfoot, like uh, Kenny Faraday. You grew up and at Wingfoot, then uh, what do you see? You know, I, I, I've been actually, I've been fortunate. I've been on the Centennial Committee, so I've, I've talked a lot about it. I'm actually, uh, you know, been helping them put together these little vignettes about Wingfoot over the year, over the first few months, and we have more to come. But but I, I think, you know, Wingfoot going forward is the one thing that you have to remember about Wingfoot when you talk about what a great club or whatever, when, when you really talk to people who know about golf, the first thing they say is, probably the greatest golf experience in golf, right? Like, so that that's number one. It is a great 36 holes of golf. And it, you'll hear that from, from every top player who's come through there. And, and, you know, some people, there's two different perspectives. There's the perspective of the U S open people who come through there and they, um, they see the golf course um, under U S open conditions. But then you take a guy, Curtis Strange, I worked with for a long time, who, you know, who knew JP, who knew JP O'Hara, who knew a lot of other people and came through Wingfoot on a, on a random Saturday and, and played golf and went in the grill and then did like the 110 Tasty that, you know, would go out and play one and 10 East. And those people 
realize that it's it's not just a great U.S. Open venue, but it's the day-to-day all-time great golf experience. And then beyond the golf experience, the experience in the grill room or geos or whatever, the, the people that are there on how much they love golf. If you love golf, Wingfoot is, a, is the place for you. So going forward over the next hundred years, we're in such a great place to be set up as as the golf, uh, you know, as one of the, the top golf experiences in the country. Um, I can't see anything but good. I mean, you know, this this pandemic has, has been terrible, but it is, it is absolutely, you know, put people back on the golf course and made them, you know, take the time to go play and they've figured out how to have time. And there's this resurgence in golf and Wingfoot kind of was, was, was sitting there uh, and it's always been great. Um, and, and it, you know, as golf resurgence, there is so much interest in getting into Wingfoot to playing at Wingfoot to being part of Wingfoot that uh, I, I can only imagine great things for the, for the next hundred years. It'd be kind of nice to accumulate all the great athletes from Babe Ruth to Mickey Mantle and guys like that, that were kind of regulars at Wingfoot over the years, right? Yeah, I, I, I used to see, speaking of sports, I used to see George Steinbrenner at, at Wingfoot sometimes. I heard him calling in the lineup from the men's grill one time. So anyone <laughs> who says he wasn't, I, 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 can, I can vouch for the fact that he was. So You uh, sure he wasn't firing Billy Martin? No, I, I heard him. I, I heard him <laughs> to go through the lineup. He wanted... Oscar Gamble and right. It was funny. It was funny. Yeah, I agree. And I, I do. I, I think you're right. I think it's fun to kind of be around there day to day and run into people that you're you're surprised to see. But then then again, as you say, you're not surprised to see because, you know, you know, they want to come through and play at some point. This has been great, Mark. Thank you very, very much. We have thousands of listeners. They're going to appreciate this episode. It's awesome to hear the inside golf perspective from somebody who spent uh a lot of time at this and been influenced by a lot of people and don't be no, surprised if we get higher ratings than the golf channel with you on here yeah no i appreciate that i i uh, please don't but uh that'll, that'll be bad for my career but but i appreciate it thanks for joining Casper, us today billy Horner, we really appreciate your indemnity, and please Marky, subscribe to the show Ratter, and hit Claude the bell Harmon, icon so you get notified movie classics new episodes mark gable hit him hard job. And hit them off. That's 36 holes.